Hi, and welcome to the Dewing Grain podcast. Dewing Grain are independent and local grade traders. From seed supply to harvest movement and storage contracts, they can offer you the best strategies to achieve the highest prices for your harvest. Each week on our podcast, we begin with the Dewing Grain Market Report, giving you up-to-date information and analysis, followed by Farm Chat, where we catch up on agricultural issues with a guest or two while sampling a beer. Andrew's favourite bit. So let's start with Andrew Dewing and this week's Market Report. Welcome to the Market Report. What follows are my thoughts or gut instincts on what the market is going to do. It is not an instruction to trade. Any decision to trade is yours. Market report for week commencing 1st of March. So we've got to the Mad March month. The weather is absolutely superb in Norfolk, so farmers are not quite able to get on if the land has much body to it. But there are sugar beet being lifted and there are jobs being done, which is great. I mean, if you've got too much land to do in a short space of time, it's obviously an extreme worry. But it is something that if you can bide your time and be patient enough, the forecast looks like it's going to give you enough time to get onto most land in reasonable condition which is great news it just depends which crop you prioritize so with that positive news we're beginning to lose sight of our farmers you know the actual communication with these guys now is is going to be limited because there is much more important stuff to focus your time on and uh, grain traders i recognize our incredible importance to ourselves but in reality when it comes to a moment like this we we come fairly down the pecking order so let's just just skip through prices because the farm chat today is ben and i having a chat about the greater picture on things lockdown it looks like is going to start easing so up from march the 8th i believe i can start having some guests on on, so you aren't going to get the same old boys time and time again so I'm looking forward to that and uh, and yeah I saw there's several people on my list that need to be captured for forever in prosperity stakes so uh, yeah we're, we're going to be out there again with our roving microphone so let's just move straight on to feed barley we could pay 160 x farm for April I do not see that market being worth any more than that as it goes towards the end of the season. I think that's about the value, the top end of its range. If you've got any barley to sort out, borderline malting barley, you think you might be worth threepence more. Is it worth the risk? That is a really good price. So get on with it. I've said that several times before. I'll keep repeating the mantra until I get to the opportunity to say, I told you so, you should have sold it, which you can all look forward to. As far as feed wheat is concerned x farm for april is 204 we've had a surge in prices we've had a very volatile week the whole of the complex around the world has gone up again ben and i go through several of the details within that in the in the chat later on i think the main point i've mentioned previously is the upside and the downside is you know if it goes up or down five pounds a ton does it really matter this is this is a bit of a game i'm sure there's some young buck out there who thinks grain traders are morons and, the, and farmers are the most intelligent people on the planet but the reality is if you've if you've held grain through to this point there's a large slice of gambler within you anyway you're not people who analyze the market to the extent that you know it's going to do this so you're in fantasy land price wise and it really is you know if it does go up great if it if it goes down if it's only five quid it doesn't really matter because you're still going to be in the 200 range and that's my point so it's i think it boils down to really analyzing your workload over the next few months pinpointing the moment to sell it and getting on with it the most important thing obviously is with a 30 odd pound drop nearly 40 pounds a ton drop to new crop prices and the price i'm about to give you i'll give you now for harvest delivery to our store for immediate movement is 160 so that's 44 pounds less in terms and that's a delivered price into a store versus 
price as an ex-farm price. So that's an enormous difference in value. The one thing you do not want to be doing is playing Russian roulette on the 10th of July, going, yeah, I want 230 or whatever you're dreaming of. Because it's we've also mentioned previously... There is definitely going to be some French cargoes coming in the second half of July at a much lower level. So the market will get cut off at its knees at some point. So do not try to be too clever with it. Get it shifted, get it out by the end of June, maybe the first week of July, and that's the end of that. Be pleased. If it trades at 10 quid more than you sell it for because someone genuinely runs out, then yeah, I, I still think the wise thing is to, is to secure the top end price. Okay, that's oldness creeping in. I've given you the new crop feed wheat price, 160 delivered. That's 160x if you sell August buyer's call. In other words, the merchant gets the right to determine when it comes, when it wants to be collected. So, you know, it's for the people who need immediate harvest movement. There are stores that will give you over £160 a tonne. November's worth currently about 165 x farm. We are trying to think of, you know, the right moments. We've got less bought forward than than ever before, I think, in, relative to the size of our business. Our advice to farmers has been to hold on. You know, so we have a minimal tonnage in the book. And I think, I've got to say, that's a fairly risky strategy. So... Because, you know, another merchant comes along and picks you at a weak moment and you go, oh, yeah, I have got some I haven't sold, actually, and and we lose that tonnage. I'd like to think that the wise advice is remembered when it comes to the point where you actually decide to trade now it's it's not at that moment yet i think we might see with some decent weather a few people hedge selling but looking around the world at the various complexes we we still feel mildly friendly to this market and until we see a clear reason to sell we're not going to be pressing you to do so so that's kind of where we're at with that one yeah i think it is a great relief to have some very positive vibes going on on the farm and and the feeling that they can actually get on and do something has made us all feel bucket loads better so lockdown going away brilliant weather wow 2021's full of positive podcasts isn't it anyway have a good week thank you for listening please remember that any decision to trade on this opinion is yours the dewing grain app will keep you updated with real-time industry news data analysis and insights into the market giving you all the information you need to make informed trading decisions A commodity selling feature enables you to source prices and receive direct offer notifications informing you on what Dewing Grain are looking to buy and at what price. Search Dewing Grain on the App Store or Google Play to download and with all of these features in your pocket, you'll have more time to sit back and listen to our podcast. To set up a trading account with us, call 01263 731 550 or email info at dewinggrain.co.uk. And now it's time for Farm Chat. All right, this week we're going to have an intelligent conversation. We've got Ben and me. Thank God. Yeah. Whew. Anyway, no, no innuendos, no talk about beer, just straightforward, sensible, grown-up stuff, Ben. Oh, God. Looking forward to this. This is going to be boring. <laughs> right, first things first, we're going, to, we're going to have a chat about the market again because there's lots of really interesting things going on at the moment. First of all, let's start with the AHDB that will come out with their supply and demand figures for this year. Yeah, pretty interesting. So it's... Tight, but not as tight as I think most of the trade first thought. Well, basically, they've used a load of barley instead of using wheat, increased the amount of... Well, at the last figures, there was a deficit of wheat, mm-hmm. and now they've come up with a 73,000 tonne surplus. Although, they're saying within the notes that the export... There was some wheat export early season, which has not been taken off those figures, so technically we still are in deficit. But, you know, with the imported levels of milling wheat have been astronomical. 
Well, I've got them <coughs> in at 2.1, which is down a little bit. Mm, yeah. And consumption's down markedly, sort of 800,000 or something like that. Yeah. So, I mean, the figures are figures, and they, and they, they jump around. The markets cure themselves of prices by using something else, and so the, the AHDB are recognising that. Trying to second-guess the real figures is always, always a game, and getting accurate import and export figures is a game as well. It yeah. should be much more clear to everybody, but it's not in the UK, is it? No, it's always difficult, because getting the information together and getting it accurate is a real struggle. So... I think the dynamic of the supply and demand is such that we all know it's very, very tight. We all know that, well, in theory, well, not in theory, we never have run out of wheat. We always find a way around, but it is tighter than usual. And it boils down to who owns it and when they release it versus who wants to buy it and when they actually come in and actually bid for it. I mean, this week the market has moved up. But you could argue, certainly today, when, when some announcement went out about Nucop and Vivergo, which we'll come on to in a minute, the whole thing really took a bit of a jump up. And one of the consumers locally tried, thought, I'll better buy some, and, and stuck his head up. And he was hammered with a number of people trying to sell to him. So there is wheat out there. The big question is, is there enough? And that really is the $6 million question, isn't it? Yeah, and you know, we, it's still too early to tell. You know, that time will... Time will tell us how that's getting on. But who's got the wheat in what stores and how long they are? I mean, the other thing is, I mean, we've never seen it, but just say it isn't there. Just once, just imagine for a moment, we have to go and replace something for somebody in June. It would be an astronomic price rise, wouldn't it? It would be, it would cost somebody a lot of money. No one would take advantage of it particularly because it would be a deal that someone had to do and they'd go and buy a boat full. But I therefore can't see any farmer particularly benefiting much more than the 200 odd pounds a ton he's been bid already. You know, so if if he's bid 205 for May, should he sell it? What's his upside potential? Well, how much more do you, does he want? You know, the, the upside potential at 205 seems limited. Yeah, for the, for the physical supply and demand. Is there a squeeze on the futures, which we've mentioned in the past? That looks less likely. The, the, the open position is dropping, not as much as the number of lots trading every day. It appears there's more stalls being registered. Now, that's the critical issue. In the next week, two weeks, it, it, you're cutting it fine if you apply much after then to get ready for the May tender, because it does take a bit of a delay. So if you, if you are sitting on your hands on that one, I wouldn't wait much longer. Get on with it, get them registered if you're going to. I, I mean, that's, that's something that mathematically selling stuff from most parts of the country into futures instead of going to consumer doesn't make sense but if it is going to get squeezed it makes lots of sense and if you're in the west country where there are no stores whatsoever and a market that's actually in surplus that's where you know having stores should you know there's the southampton grain terminal not being functional not exporting has created a scenario where there's too much wheat and it has to travel a long way to get to get to a market so there should be the model that works in kent and norfolk appearing in that part of the world but i guess there's no independents who've got the capacity to do it there's a few independents down there but i was talking about storage capacity as opposed to mental capacity there because i don't know them but i mean it isn't it is a bit of a winner for an independent merchant to do that isn't it yeah you're not relying on somebody corporate to pay the money it's up front and there you go yeah, so that should lose us West Country listeners. Anyway, I'm sure you are. Or one of them. <laughs> Listen, we're listening to in New Zealand. <laughs> so let's let's move on. So old crop has got its got its dilemmas, and there's lots of people dancing around with whether that's going to go up, whether it's going to go down. It feels like 
it ain't got much more up. It also feels like it ain't got much down. Because yeah. if you said, ah, oh, it's just going to go down because there's too much of it, that's not true. We, ha- we are struggling to find physical wheat. We are really tight for physical wheat. We normally have a nice little bit around us and we kindly let consumers out of a hole when they're in a bit of trouble. Oh, yeah, we'll find you some, mate. But we as a business are really, really, you know, got much less grain that we can go at. If I want to go and buy some, most of my guys have sold out because they had less than what they thought they had. So that is that's the reality of the AHDB figures. That the fig it is really tight. That's a fact. So <clears throat> it ain't going to go down much. If you sell it for 190, I don't think you've lost. If you sell it for 210, I don't think you've yeah, won. No. I think it's kind of like somewhere in that band, and I don't see much either side of it. So anyway, over to you lot on that one. But I wanted to talk about the Vivergo thing, because that caused a, a ripple of excitement this morning, didn't it? That did cause a, a mm. ripple of excitement. But as ever with these announcements, devil in the detail. Mm. You know, yes, they're going to reopen. Yes, E10 is now on the pitch. Yeah, and E10 for the uninformed is... It's a ten percent mix of ethanol instead of a five percent mix of ethanol. Yeah. yeah so we're going to we're going to produce that in this country in order to meet our green credentials because we are hosting the uh, COP, aren't we? We're, we're the Glasgow Climate. What is COP? COP twenty one, <coughs> isn't it, in Glasgow? Yep. And and promoting E ten is a quick tick in the box for the UK government's green agenda. Well, Boris is a crowd pleaser. He wants yeah. to sit there and go, look, we've done it. Well, he does. I know, yeah, yeah. yeah. He has a history of going there, ooh, bumper production. He'll probably wear a T-shirt that says, you know, save the world or something. I love Greta. And and then after everybody's gone home, he'll swap the thing around a bit and <laughs> won't bother. Import some ethanol from Brazil and say, see, told you. <laughs> anyway. but, yeah, I mean, it's good news. That is good news for the sort of UK market. It's really good news. It's how many, you know, it's, it's 100,000 tonnes a month. Yeah, but okay, but just remember, it's been shut for two years. It's going to take them a while to get it going. Yes, so because we were talking about this, and so the best estimation of it going at full tilt is somewhere around about February, March twenty-two. Yeah, so yeah. they'll chuck a few things in there in the meantime. Yeah, yeah. Twenty thousand tons here and twenty thousand tons there, but in reality, half a million tons usage still a big lump of usage on a crop that ain't as big as they thought it was. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we've got the lakes of water going down now around the county, and uh, not the Norfolk Broads, the actual lakes on the fields of wheat that we're talking about. Yeah, there's dead ground. Yeah. And and what's there, we, we're now having a phenomenally good dry out. You know, farmers are pleased tentatively. They're not able to do very much at all. They can do bits on light land or on a slight hill, but largely they've got to wait at least a week. You know, the ones that have got too much land and not enough, you know, time are having to start making a mess early. And there is one or two people just getting out a little bit too quick. There's a few keen farmers, yeah, wanting to get... I mean, the, the some of the lighter land, the drying out is phenomenal. Yeah. But it's there's a lot of work to be done. Sugar yeah. beet lifted, and then the ground, you know, brought back into some form of life. And then there's all the spuds and all the sugar beet to be planted again for another year if they're going to bother. And then there's all of the spring work and the lacking. You know, are these guys who saved the wheat seed that didn't get planted that was probably counted as being part of the acreage of the AHDB put down as projected production? Don't see that going in. I think it's, it's you know going well into March. I think there'll be spring barley. We've got a lot of spring barley orders going on. Yeah, well, the the whole sort of barley malting complex is looking healthier for next year with Bojo's five-week lockdown plan coming into fruition. Oh, you're talking about drinking more beer? Yeah, <laughs> at lots of events. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, no, well, it's it, great to kick that one off, isn't it? But, but, but 
underlyingly, Vivergo coming in with half a million more tonnes, the crop size being smaller. What is the crop size for next year? I mean, tentatively, people are saying 14.5. We, we think that's too high, don't we? Yeah, I, yeah, that seems too optimistic with what's happened. Which takes us back into the same scenario as this year, where we have the farmer in control, the long holder in control of sales. They decide when they sell it. Yeah. And, and we had periods of starvation, which we will have every single year. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's the most interesting point. Greater consumption, smaller crop, no carry-in, nil carry-in. Once the July stock's used up, yeah. if it isn't an early harvest, it will be really tight. And the first couple of weeks of August, every single available ton won't be going into stores. They'll be sucked into every consumer home there is desperate to buy wheat. So I think it will start with a bullish or friendly new crop market and there won't be much discount for the initial stages, depending on what the weather does and depending. So that's, that's how we feel at the moment. Yeah, I mean, where French wheat's available, what, July, in theory? Ah, yeah, if you can rely on them. <laughs> if we're in trouble. Yeah. Long history. Yeah, so what other things are, are kind of... So those things are in the background, but we've had a more volatile market than just that, haven't we? I mean, we've had... The whole complex had a massive rally this week. It, this week has been... Yeah, fantastic for volatile trading. Markets have been... I mean, yeah, today they've had a big hit, but they've had a huge upside. Mm. I mean, you know, chat about the Chinese Lunar New Year. Yeah, I'm not so convinced, you know. What, the fact they weren't buying in that period? Yeah, they weren't buying that period because, in theory, we know they've bought earlier for later in the season. So it's a bit like our Christmas. They they came in, yeah, stuffed the socks as full uh, just before their holiday. They've had two weeks' holiday. They're now back at work. And they're getting over the hangover and they're going, well, I'm not looking at a Chinese impression. Oh, but I, <laughs> thank goodness. But they're, gonna, they're going to take a bit more time before their next purchase. When they next appear to buy some, it is going to be vaguely interesting, isn't it? You it know, is. How many tons and who's gonna, who are they going to buy it from? And certainly Europe seems to be fighting its way up to not be the next place to buy it from because we're too tight on stocks already. We can't really afford for them to come and buy a lot more wheat out of France, can we? No, no. I mean, and ultimately, you know, how does China get back on with Australia? We all thought they weren't buying Australian grain. Turns out they were buying huge amounts of it. Yeah, that's because they don't necessarily tell you exactly what's going on. Exactly, yeah. Wuhan. And um, so I think that as far as Europe's concerned, if you have a a French market that's now conscious of its year-end stocks, everyone's staring at what the harvest is going to be. I mean, we're not yet planted, and Europe's had a very cold spell. There's a very cold spell in Russia. There's talk of winter kill. There's lots of issues that are going to mean that the spring work starts a little later this year. These are bullish factors. These are risk factors. And I think that, yeah, I think the French is likely to remain firm. And it's certainly steamed through 230 euros on the old crop, Mm. which was had a phenomenal number of lots offered, bang, gone. You know, say, I think it's going to stay firm, which is all part of the sum for old crop. But the new crop is relying so heavily on on excellent production. And there's something happening on that, isn't there? Well, yeah, I mean, we've still got dryness coming through in South America, Argentina. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not... They're not out of the woods. No one is out of the woods on That's this. That's their second crop of corn, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. This, this would be their main crop. Yeah. yeah. So it's not getting planted or it's not going into conditions which are... Ideal, yeah. And, and also then the other, which is the tinderbox of all futures markets, is the US, isn't it? The US forecast is dry ongoing, but more importantly, the actual amount of snow or precipitation they've had during the winter in some key states is lower, isn't it? It's yeah, down. They're right. starting with less. Yes, they've got snow, which looks dramatic and always looks like it's going to be, but not enough to 
to give them enough moisture. And the, the, the ongoing forecast for some of those states is dry. Yeah. And that's the, I mean, we're still in Feb, and by the time you hear this, it's March the 1st. But it's this is now getting serious. And if that weather forecast for the states maintains some sort of pattern of a high pressure or something that doesn't allow rain to get into the places where they want to start putting corn in or start the winter wheat to recover goodness knows whether texas had any damage in all of that cold snap and and oklahoma and kansas etc etc yeah i think this is this is the moment where all eyes are nervously watching that market above any other yeah, well and, and i tell you who'll be watching it the closest will be will be the chinese yeah they'll be really focused on that because you know if they can't get the soya they need out of south america argentina brazil then it's the states then you know who else? Well, you mean their their um, pig production is going up and up and up. I mean, some of the pictures of the the pig producing units they've got are just yeah. Some of them are like multi story car parks. Oh, unbelievable. And you know, with that, the the you know the, the the detail about how much stock they have, how much stock they need, how much usage they have. Oh. It, it just seems there there is a point when the world has to go look. If you're going to trade in, as part of a unit, at least give us some accurate figures to work off. You know, it's a, you know, I, I appreciate that that you know, your bluffing is part of a game, and sometimes you might buy something a bit cheaper. But if you if you continuously understate your requirement for something, yeah. you lose your credibility, don't you? Well, okay, two points there, Andrew. It felt like we've gone through the Chinese great grain robbery that Russia did in the 1970s. We've gone through it with China Mm -hmm. without China admitting anything. And as you say, you know, if you're going to keep bluffing, but, you know, the Chinese are their own powerhouse, aren't they? Yeah, the thing is we have to become aware because of the volume of tons that's traded there and there has been some admission about, you know, that, that guy who disappeared who, who took a video of <laughs> poor, a state... Poor guy. Yeah, took a video of a state corn store that said, look look what's in here and held his hand out. Now he's lost his hands and his head. And uh, it's like that doctor who warned about the, the coronavirus, you know, warned the, warned the world. They, they then imprisoned him and then he pegged it from coronavirus. So, so, so Sorry, is, we're not laughing about that, obviously. <laughs> no, but the, the dynamic we are... <laughs> Andrew the, is. the dynamic of that is, yeah, we if everyone knows they have therefore done the great grain robbery or the corn robbery, and we immediately have a problem with production the following year, that's the point. So if we come into this spring and it all goes, then it isn't, if, if, if you know, small-time investors, small little merchants like us can have these observations, the bigger companies are going to say, well, you know, do you know what? This is too tight. This is too yeah. tight. Farmers are informed. The world round, you know, they are informed by fabulous podcasts like this one, that, that there is an underlying trend of firmness in the market. There is. And if we've given all the bullish factors, so let's be honest, what's the bearish mm-hmm. new crop? What is it? Perfect weather. Right. Which sentiment. isn't guaranteed. No, sentiment in, in, in within a country. So the sun shines on someone's back three weeks from now in Norfolk, and they've had a perfect three-week period, and they're really well on to catching up, you know, Eight weeks on, they're done completely, and then there's some rain, lovely rain forecast in mid-April, late April. Then, then they're going to be like, yeah, we're going to have a fantastic crop. It's all pulled together. That happens to just a human reaction to per, yeah. you know, any grower of <clears throat> produce. But at the same time, you know, as we're all electronically linked and, and, and staring at screens all the time, is there every single part of the world going to perform to the tune that everyone is calling it? Because the That's production the for next yeah. year has got to be perfect. And even if it's perfect, the projected usage is greater. And it's, so it's still going to be tight. 
stocks will be tighter in the world. Yeah. That's not to say that the market's just going to keep going up. There will be days where there'll be a, an announcement, a correction. Well, we, we're recording this on the Thursday and it went up first thing in the morning. Now it's coming down with a bang, isn't it? So, yeah. so yes, there's going to be days when you take profits and, and days when someone thinks you knew something and ripped them off or whatever goes on in mentally in people's heads. But, but the, the, there isn't a straight line. There is no obvious, has the market already gone up for all of these factors? Is this the top? There's a question. I don't know. It doesn't feel like it, doesn't seem like it, but if somebody says, actually, I'm really long and I've made lots of money out of this, thanks very much, and just sells it for the next 20 quid, that's enough to, to you know, shag any thoughts we've got, isn't it? It's, it's, yeah. So there are some enormous companies who control food in this world, and they could well be in a position where they could push it in any direction they like. What you've got to do as a, as a grower, what, what traders have to do as people trying to make money from it, is try and interpret all of that information and, and then use your experience, your gut instinct to, to time the sales to meet your requirement. You are beating budget. So we're dancing in an area that is greater than you are expecting to achieve. On new crop, yeah. Assuming you achieve the yields you budgeted on, and there lieth the problem. But, you know, right now, gut instinct, I don't think new crop's got much downside other than sentiment, and the facts are that it's going to be quite hard to buy at certain times of the year. So so if you sell it for 160, and your, your £10 difference to where it is now for May 22, it's still probably above your budget. So, yeah, the answer is, I think we're in for a very, very volatile time. And there's lots of people talking about super cycles and so on. You know, it's easy to whip you into a frenzy of bullishness out there. But, you know, that you're right to temper it and say, look, it isn't guaranteed. It isn't just going to go up. But there's there's enough riding on it. There's equally enough enough people out there who have got to be grown up about what they sell their stuff at and when they move it and what they can realistically achieve in the time period they've got to move the crop. So, yeah, there's some people should be selling, you know, if they got 170 for their spring barley, for example, for harvest, mm. if it was perfect distilling stuff. that That's a price that you, you're going to, you know, that's sort of 40 quid above last year's harvest price. Those yeah. are the sorts of things you've got to look yourself in the eye and say, hey, maybe, maybe four or five loads I'll sell at that and I'll let the rest ride till we get there. That, those are the, it's a, it's a pleasurable conversation, but it's not, not without you taking some responsibility. Yeah, I think that's it. You can't just sit back and say, I know it's going up, bang, it's got to be, yeah. Yeah, you've got to keep watching it and talking to your merchants. Yeah, well now, we're going to get back into the office soon, aren't we? After March the 8th, I think, depending on figures from uh, the, the daily, you know, how many mm. people have, you know, less than 10,000 every day in the UK, which is not very many in the great plan of things, uh, uh, in new new testing positive and, you know, all right, 500 deaths a day or 400 whatever it is we're coming to a place where we need as a, as a group I think we've had enough of kind of bubbling our way around well I think we, we will be coming back together again soon I don't know whether other merchants are doing this but my instinct is if the figures are lower than than they are at the moment in two weeks time then we're going to break the bubble and start coming in as a team yeah the risk factors are favorable for us as well you know Norfolk's dropped dramatically on cases per hundred thousand so yeah we're gonna that's our decision to to do that we'll keep you posted but i mean the difference it will make is that i make other people answer the phone and have my normal afternoon nap as opposed to have to work and yell coffee at people (laughs) can you just scan this and other things that old people can't do yeah no it's 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 very good for me to have other people in the office could you dial that number for me (laughs) I was watched. I watched um, on TV the other night with Lily. There was it was the first episode of the Rise and Fall of Reginald Perrin. Blimey! Did you ever watch that? You're too young. Right? Too young. Right. What was that? Nineteen fifty-two. Yeah. No, nineteen seventy-eight oh, okay. or nine. And um, 
Reginald Perrin had a, a secretary, and he, he used to have, go off in fantasies about you know various things. And one of them was his secretary, probably nineteen seventies style. And um, anyway, he's go just just call the doctor, would you? And so so Jean Jean Joan Jean, oh whatever, you know, just call. Her. So she picked up the phone, she dialed the number, and go hello, doctor. There, I've got I've got Mr. Perrin for you. And so she dialed his number for him. She wrote his letters for him. So in effect, you know, the person who's replaced her is me because I have you know, I don't have that person. I have to dial my own numbers for God's sake. <laughs> and I said to Lily, when I was a when I was a kid, that's that was what it was like. There were people who had secretaries who did absolutely everything for them. And uh, yeah, I've I born a long time. Oh, great times! <laughs> yeah. You were about three, or not even born, were you? <laughs> anyway, no. So lockdown's beginning to go. You know, we're, we're optimistic. None yeah. of us have had the jab here yet. I should be first in line, but it looks like it's down to how efficient your surgery is. Because I've got some forty odd year old women who we who we know locally who who's, oh, we're getting our jab next week. Blimey! Yeah. It's like, you know, anyway, yeah, I'm just like... They've that. taken your jab, Andrew. I'm determined not to be like a cue jumper on it, but there's, you know, I'm sure all the doctor's families have been done and then the oh. guy and all that. Yeah, anyway, well, once you get it, you apparently you become invincible. So once we've got that... Great. One. What, could you be more invincible, Andrew? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just all I need is a jab and a, and a couple of stone missing. Yeah, so with that, I think, yeah, we, we, we're kind of... In, in positive times, we're feeling really good about the grain market. Um, we're feeling good about lockdown. So, you know, for record's sake, I think, yeah, we're on the up. Yeah, agreed. Okay. Okay. See you next week. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to get new episodes as they are released. And follow us on Twitter. We are at Dewing Grain. Call Dewing Grain on 01263 731 or email info at dewinggrain.co.uk. The Dewing Grain podcast is produced by East Coast Design Studio in Norwich.